I was hugely held up by my various communities that I'm part of. And I think Malcolm Gladwell um, says, I hope it's him, uh, you know, as you become an adult, your personality becomes the composite of the five or seven or 10 people you spend most of your time with. And I think that's certainly true for me. The people that have come into my life have made me a much better person. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who've either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. I am here today with Fred Rutman, and this man was a marketer, consultant, then moved to academia teaching finance and marketing, then all of a sudden, in the summer of 2009, it all came crashing down with a continuous stream of medical traumas amplified by ongoing medical error and misdiagnosis. The result is him being clinically dead 20 times. So, wow, Fred, I'm glad you're here talking to me today. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you, Jamie. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And so as it came off the introduction, you actually have now built a memoir that is titled The Summer I Died 20 Times. Is that is that true? Let's talk a little bit more about that. That's a crazy statistic. Yeah, it is a crazy statistic. So um, there's the actual memoir. So it is a real thing. And um, yeah, it's just it's statistically improbable. So depending on you know which actuary I talked to, um, one just recently told me what happened to me, the series of events. It's like a one in 10,000 year kind of event. So yours was really unpredictable that you survived 20 times. But let's talk a little bit more about what caused those 20 deaths and how you survived them. Well, initially, we didn't know what was causing it. The doctors thought I was randomly passing out. Um, it, this is in the summer of 2009. And... Every time I passed out, or almost every time I passed out, I hit my head. So I also sustained concussion after concussion after concussion. And cumulatively, that can really mess you up. So, you know, um, I just ran into a series, and I don't mean to bash the medical system and doctors. Uh, this is just what happened. I just ran into a whole bunch of doctors who weren't on their A-games when they first met me. And I was misdiagnosed and dismissed. And, um, you know, so it took them about four months to figure out what was going on with me. And they eventually figured out I had something called severe onset heart block. And heart block is generally something that doesn't happen to men until they're in their 70s. 
uh, I was in my mid forties. So heart block is your heart has these little areas called nodes and O D E S, um, which are electrical distribution points. And that's what causes your heart to beat. And all those nodes suddenly very rapidly stopped working and my heart would stop beating for considerable amount of time. And then, you know, you have no blood pressure, no oxygen to your brain and you collapse. Uh, and then with me, I got the extra bonus of, uh, hitting my head. So, uh, for most people, you know, our bodies are very smart. We have lots of backup systems and they were supposed to kick in, but because this condition hit me so hard and so fast, um, my backup systems didn't really kick in when they should have. So when I say I was dead, I'm saying clinically dead. And the definition of clinically dead I'm using is your heart stops beating for 30 seconds or more. And simultaneously, you stop breathing for 30 seconds or more. And I think you experienced some of that yourself. Did you not? I did a bit. Um, I had a traumatic brain injury up in Whistler, Canada, at World Tour skiing finals, actually. I fell on a double flip and I caught an edge and I whiplashed my head onto the snow in such a way my brain started bleeding in eight spots. Um, and I um, was paralyzed on the right side of my body due to brainstem damage. But yeah, I had to get um, my, my breath pumped for me and I, I was living off of um, everything controlled for a period of time. However, unlike you, it wasn't um, quite as re repetitive. It, it was just the, like once I began to recover, it was, a, it was a big impact and then it recovered. But from what I read about you, yours happened in 2009 and then it happened again a few years later. So I'm, I'm an overachiever, I guess, in the art of dying. And uh, um, the way they, they cured me, because uh, you can't really cure the condition, is they gave me a pacemaker in 2009. And in 2013, all the symptoms started repeating themselves. And it turned out the pacemaker was malfunctioning. So I'm 100% dependent on the pacemaker. And if it stops, I stop. So... When it failed, I would fail as well. And again, I would collapse and hit my head and be dead and all sorts of stuff. And then they, uh, it was quite an adventure trying to get the pacemaker replaced. So normally a pacemaker can last you, you know, 10 to 15 years, depending on how it's set up. Uh, mine didn't make it to four years. So. It was a bit unusual. Oh, that is not a long time. <laughs> no. And then the two surgeries I had to replace it uh, didn't go so well. You could read it in its gory detail in the, in the memoir. But, um, yeah, that was two very, very nasty surgeries, which, um, you know, they saved my life. But it really takes a toll on you because I, I actually died on the table again while they were trying to replace the, uh, the pacemaker. So, um, 
and then it happened again in 2018. So it's uh, <laughs> it's just been a comedy of errors. I, I tease the doctor that they have to stop buying my pacemakers at the dollar store and, uh, you know, go to a real pacemaker company. <laughs> and so um, after 2018, you said that you have done a lot of intermittent fasting and you believe that that helped you out tremendously. Yes. I think the large majority of my recovery has been due to intermittent fasting. Um, a lot of people think that intermittent fasting is just another sort of fad diet. And it's, it's not, it's, um, it's actually even written about in biblical texts about why we fast and it's a healing process. And for most of us, it starts to heal your body before it actually works on the weight loss part. So um, one, in 2018, I went into my cardiologist's office and he literally threw this book at me. It's called The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And it's a little bit sciencey now uh, for some people. Um, but I read it and it made 100% sense to me. And I just started doing it. And the, the health benefits that you get from intermittent fasting are kind of mind-blowing. Um, I reversed my type 2 diabetes. I reversed diabetic retinopathy. Uh, I reversed my asthma, my sleep apnea, and so many other things. Uh, and I ended up being in a uh, Facebook fasting group run by a lady named Jen Stevens. And she's sort of my fasting guru now. And there were, you know, 350,000 people in this group. And just the list of things that people attribute to intermittent fasting is just phenomenal. Everything from women regaining their fertility from, you know, reversing PCOS to their cesarean scars reversing. Um, to nerve regeneration it's it's pretty remarkable and the weight loss is pretty good too <laughs> wow and is that um is intermittent fasting your secret weapon that's helped with some of your ongoing trauma that you are experiencing yes uh i'm hoping it's not so secret anymore um but uh and just a quick disclaimer you know if you're pregnant or you're nursing or you've had a um, eating disorder diagnosis, uh, you sh you shouldn't do intermittent fasting uh, unless you're under like really really strict care from a medical practitioner who knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, it it resets all your hormones, and um, one of the key benefits from intermittent fasting is it ramps up a hormone called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. And that helps your nerves uh, regenerate and uh, build new synapses and new connections and things like that. And for, you know, all the brain trauma I had, um, I, you know, I lost my depth perception. I lost an entire language out of my brain. Uh, my balance was off, all, all sorts of things 
were, you know, that just come along with, uh, with head trauma. Um, and most of that has reversed itself already. And, uh, because intermittent fasting cleans out your system and allows your body to, to do the smart things it's supposed to do, as opposed to many of the things we don't let it do because we don't eat so well, uh, you know, and things like that. Yeah, I definitely think how you eat plays a big role in um, brain injury recovery and what you put into your body and things like that. So for intermittent fasting, why don't you break that down a little bit and explain what uh, 24 hours a day would look like? Okay, so intermittent fasting is a style or a timing of when you eat. So it doesn't tell you what to eat. Um just when to eat. So when I started intermittent fasting, I had just come out of a heart surgery. Um, this was in 2018 and the doctors weren't really sure how my body would react because I was also on a lot of medications. And so we started off very conservatively and I did what's called a 12, 12. So I did 12 hours where I could eat and 12 hours where I fasted. And when I fast, all I do is water. Other people do coffee and black tea, but you know, no additives, no sweeteners, no cream, anything like that. And a big challenge for me was, uh, would I have to adjust my medications because I was fasting? So the doctors really monitored me very, very uh, tightly for this. And I quickly found in just a couple of weeks I, I was able to go from a 12-hour fast to a 14-hour fast, to a 16-hour fast, to an 18-hour fast. And I was kind of shocked. Um, I've always been overweight. In the year 2000s, I was grossly overweight. I was like 340 pounds. And, uh, you know, so my body was definitely not functioning properly to start with. And... Um, now, you know, I'm, I can do a 36-hour fast, a 42-hour fast. Interesting. Well, I've done um, a little bit of fasting, but mostly just 12, 12 hours. Like, I'll just drink a lot of water during the day and skip lunch. But I, I do think that... Um, I'm interested to hear more about fasting. I know that in my experience, I, um, which is a little bit different than fasting, as you mentioned, it, it was about what I eat, not when I ate. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that how and what you consume can make such a big difference into the outcomes that you experience. Is that why you wanted to write a memoir? Is, is the intermittent fasting tied into it? Well, Part of the reason I wanted to write the memoir was to help people going through their own trials and tribulations. I mean, you know, nobody's ever going to go through exactly what you went through. And for sure, nobody's going to go through what I went through. But if I can share my story about how horrible this was and that I've made my way through it, I I want to share that with people and hopefully inspire them uh, and maybe, you know, Maybe I tell them one thing that that just helps them change the way they see the world and that they can get through the world. Um, 
And intermittent fasting has been a huge part of that for me. So I want to share it with people. I see every day how it helps people. And uh, most doctors don't recommend um, intermittent fasting because they get so little training in diet and nutrition. um, They just don't know about it. And they only have so many hours a day that they can do uh, professional development and it's just not top of their list. Yeah. And that, that is something that we've noticed with all types of nutrition or fasting or anything you're consuming and how you're consuming it. Because my mom um, is big into the science um, behind nutrition. And um, so it was a big part of my recovery. And one of the things after my brain injury, um, something that is known is that people, the doctors do say don't drink alcohol right after a severe traumatic brain injury, but they don't add in, don't consume sugar, don't drink alcohol, don't drink coffee. Um, And I'm back now and I I like to have a cookie. um, I don't have like a super, super strict um, diet that I personally follow, but I do think it's beneficial to always try and be aware of what you're consuming and how you're consuming it. For sure. The, um, the consumption of ultra processed foods and sugars, um, you know, our body doesn't really know how to process these and it just, it screws up your entire metabolism. And it's the same with the, most of the, the oils we use, the cooking oils, except for, you know, olive oil or avocado oil or those simpler oils, but everything else is, it just seems to be a toxic mess that breeds inflammation in your body. And when your body's spending so much energy trying to get rid of this inflammation with tools, it's, it doesn't have, um, it really just drains you. It, it drains you and it hinders your recoveries. And so what do you do now to inspire people and motivate them? That's an interesting question. I think different people find inspiration from different parts of my story. Um, I'm Jewish, and uh, so sometimes it's there's a religious foundation that they grab onto. Um, sometimes it's just how I learned to advocate uh, – <coughs> excuse me, for myself with the doctors. And sometimes it's just, wow, how did you become so resilient? And I think we all have a resilience gene. We just, it's like a muscle and you have to exercise it because nobody teaches you in grade three, you know, here's how you be resilient. You know, just like, well, they don't teach us a lot of stuff that I think they should, but you know, this is how to be nice to people. This is not, this is how you don't be a bully, you know, stuff like that should be taught. Um, but it's, it's available to you. They don't teach us how to have hope. Some people naturally have a huge reservoir of hope. And there's a Holocaust survivor, psychiatrist. Um, I'm going to blank on his name. He's, his book is Man's Search for Meaning. 
and um, Viktor Frankl. And basically he says, if you have hope, and this is a man who survived the concentration camps, you can have, you know, you can conquer almost anything. Yeah, that is something that we we talk a lot about with Mo Crazy Strong is the power of your mind and intention and then taking action on that intention. So during my recovery, I wanted to get back to skiing before I could walk upstairs. So how to set attainable goals to reach those growth goals and really believing throughout the whole process that it's going to happen um, but not believing and doing nothing, believing and taking action to make your beliefs come true. Yeah. So in your recovery, so are you back skiing now? I did return to skiing. I did not return to competing. So it's very, it's different for me, um, but I do ski. That's awesome. And I, I, I know some people who have had challenges like that. And when they get back to being able to something they could do before, and it's not the same that gives them sort of like a an extra round of depression because they can't do it the way they they used to instead of appreciating now i've regained you know this capacity to do something that's still fun even though i still can't do it at the level i was so we have to also remind ourselves that these are not small victories these are huge victories that you can regain any sort of capacity and you have a choice whether to be happy with it or not. Yeah, that's great. Um, So we're basically running out of time now. So is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? I was hugely held up by my various communities that I'm part of. And I think Malcolm Gladwell um, says, I hope it's him. Uh, you know, as you become an adult, your personality becomes the composite of the five or seven or 10 people you spend most of your time with. And I think that's certainly true for me. The people that have come into my life have made me a much better person, much more optimistic, um, much more full of gratitude and surround yourself with the best people you can. There's just people out there that you don't even know that would love to help you in some way. Some will do huge things. Some will do small things. But there are people out there if you just open yourself up to them. Thank you so much for sharing those words of wisdom. And thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's been great. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to Life Gets Mo Crazy. I hope you learned some new ways to climb an alternative peak after an unexpected trauma by listening to this episode. If you loved it, which I really hope you did, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. If you would like to follow my Mo Crazy Life, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or my Facebook accounts at Jamie Mo Crazy or hashtag mo crazy strong. So stay tuned for our next episode. Each episode is the last Friday of each month. And in every episode, you will learn something special and something new on how to climb an alternative peak.
So thanks again for tuning in and go have a mo crazy life until we talk again.